And we're back again with Encounter with God here on Faith FM. We uh, have another clue for our quiz as we kick off our Bible study period. Yes, the second half of our show this morning. Okay, who am I? I was a beggar whose name meant son of Timaeus. Tim, Timaeus? I Tim- did not know that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, well now you Give do. us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the answer, is the number to call. What should I say? That's not the answer. That is the number to call if you know the answer. Good stuff. <clears throat> or you can text it. If you don't want to talk to us, it's fine. We, no, you don't have to talk to us. Our number is 0491-064-669. We do love talking like to people. I like it when you guys yeah, talk to us. Yeah, but we don't want to like, scare We love you guys. Them. Yeah, yeah, but we don't want to so scare fun, them with our love. It was some, so much fun last week with a live studio audience. Oh, it was, wasn't it? I'm missing all our, all our Grey Nomad listeners. Good morning to all of them. All our new ones have been tuning in for the first time on their tune-in app. So, g'day, g'day across the board to all our newies. Yes, indeed. Okay, so what have we got coming up today in our encounter with God? We're talking about racism. Oh, how, yeah. how long has racism been around for? I feel like since the creation. <laughs> Except there was only one race then, Mon. Yeah, but I feel like as soon as as soon as there was a difference, there was hatred. I think racism has been around since the Tower of Babel. This is my theory. This is mm-hmm. my theory. It's been around since the Tower of Babel. Because until the Tower of Babel, there was only one race. It was the Tower of Babel that actually created the races. Okay. But did they look different at the Tower of Babel? No, no, they just they spoke. Start, to, they, they started, spoke, sounding, they started different. sounding differently. So, and that created um, selective breeding, which creates races. Mm-hmm. I guess it's almost yeah. Because when you think of racism, you usually think people hate each other based on what they look like. But I guess back then they would have just hated each other based on what they sound like. It's it's so sad how humans will find the minutest difference and decide that's good enough reason to hate each other on. It's a it's an interesting thing that interesting in our world today how that um, you know on the eleventh eleventh yesterday um, the French and German um, heads of state were talking about the rise of nationalism. Mm-hmm. And how divisive nationalism has been in the past and how nationalism has caused so much war and bloodshed. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to notice how they were afraid of what was happening in our world with this rise of nationalism. If you look back at the beginning of, say, the First and the Second World Wars, these were events that were driven by radical nationalism. Now, I'm not against nationalism per se because I'm very proud to be an Australian and I think everybody who is an Australian should be proud to be an Australian. Yeah. I'm also proud of my Sri Lankan heritage. Mm -hmm. My wife is proud to be an American. Mm -hmm. You're proud of your German heritage Mm -hmm. um, and proud to be Australian. And I think that's good. I think we should be like, yeah, you know, we come from a great part of the world and this is a beautiful part of the world and you should come and visit our part of the world. And if you like it, then put in your application and stay in our part of the world. Um, adopt it and make it your own. This is the world in which we live and we should embrace you know, everybody from right across the world rather than thinking, oh, we were here first, we're better than you are. It's so true, isn't it? You know, it's, it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. And what you find is that you know, every race does things differently. Mm-hmm. You know, they think differently, they act differently, they do things differently. And that's a great thing. You know, rather than being frustrated by it, we should be like, well, this is how this race responds and this is how they act. And, and then you find that, you know, some races have some things that we perceive as being disadvantages. But at the same time, you'll find other things that we would see as being tremendous advantages. There's so much education to be had when there's so many differences and you can learn from everything. Yeah. 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 
I think that uh, you know, if I you know, just looking at some of our cl- the the, clo- the cultures that are closest to ours, like say for instance, the United States is probably the, co- the one culture that is closest to us as uh, Australians. But I find that you know I have way more random conversations when I'm in America than what I do here in Australia. Okay. Um, and I think that Australians were sort of a bit reserved and we sort of don't talk to someone in the supermarket aisle or have a conversation with the, uh, you know, the checkout person or whoever it might be. Um, and I have way more conversations when I'm in the States and people are just like, yeah, hey, just a you know, normal having person. Having a yarn. Just having yep. a yarn. Yep. Just having a yarn. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so I think that you know, we, we look at these other races and we need to learn things. Oh, oh, and we were talking about uh, Hindus and vegetarianism mm-hmm. earlier in the news. And, of course, we promote a plant-based diet here um, on Faith FM. And uh, I was thinking about all of my favorite Indian restaurants. <laughs> and then I started to think about Indian food. And one of the news articles that I was doing where I was re- researching vegetarianism in the world was talking about Indian food. And my mouth was starting to water. Yes. And I was starting to think of, um, yeah, all kinds of… Uh, the best Indian restaurant, P.S., everyone, is in country town Young. No, it's not. It's called Namaste. It's in Hobart. And it has the most amazing Indian food I've ever had in my life. It's called Magic Curry. It's in no, Hobart. No, it's, it's Namaste and Young. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have an Indian food fight on hands. A couple of restaurants there getting a free shout out this morning <laughs> yeah. during our encounter with God. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <coughs> no, I Namaste, not, Namaste I, is so good that their head chef, he went back to India for like a year and when he came back to Young, the town celebrated. That's how good the food there is. There are some people in Hobart who would dispute this with you, but I can't really comment because I haven't <laughs> been to the one in Young. Only That's one a kind of a, a random town to have the best Indian food it, on the planet. True. Well, the biggest, the biggest. I mean, Christmas Tasmania shop is the promised land, so you would expect that to have the best. The Indian only way food we can settle this is if we get on a plane right now, go to Young and to Hobart, and compare them. Let's go. Let's go. See you later, everyone. <laughs> Show's over. <laughs> We're off to eat Indian food. <laughs> no, but I mean seriously, it's just like it's the best thing. It's 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 so fantastic that we have so many cultures here in Australia. Yeah, all these different foods. And we can appreciate, we can mm-hmm. learn to appreciate all of these different people and their cultures and what they bring and what they, uh, what they contribute. And uh, it's just... So it's, does the Bible really talk about racism? It does. Okay. Because the early church was racist. Ooh. Were yeah. they? Yeah. Okay. That, they, were, they were racist as. I really hope God has something to say about racism. I really do. Go to Acts chapter 6. Because it is such an abominable thing. It is. It is one of the most heinous things on the planet. Uh, Acts chapter 6. I have not found a race that I can't become good mates with. You yeah, know? It's, it's just They just don't exist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know what warfare does? Warfare brings out the worst in human nature. And so then you always look at the opposition as having the worst kind of human nature ever. And so then you attribute, it, attribute that worst in human nature to that race. Yeah, and then it's an ongoing... Uh, assumption that just just trickles down for generations after after a war. Yeah, it just goes on and on and on. And, and I mean, you look at the Second World War where you had the Japanese, and the, and the war brought out the worst in the in the Japanese human nature. And as a result, you know, for you know, my grandfather who fought in the Second World War fought against the Japanese, and he he wouldn't buy anything that had "Made in Japan" written on it. You I mean, know? it's just yeah. like. Because he had seen the worst of the worst of the worst. Whereas if he'd been hanging out with old mate, the Japanese person down the road Mm -hmm. beforehand, um, not in the context of warfare, 
then they would have been the great, the best of mates. Even these days, I hear people talking about how you know Japanese are cruel and unusual, and it's like, do you know what? That was no Japanese are not yeah. like that. Yes, yeah, they're not like. This that. is what warfare does. Mm-hmm. It twists people's brains. Mm-hmm. And it messes with people, and you get a few psychopaths that are at the, uh, the, the the top of the whole structure, and they start to control the whole thing, and people's brains get twisted. It's just the nature of warfare. This is this is PTSD in action. It just destroys your morality, and then out of that, racism is born. And this is why Satan loves warfare so much mm. and radical nationalism not 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 nationalism but radical nationalism because radical nationalism is where you think your your nation or your whoever whatever is better than everybody else superior else's. somehow yeah somehow superior mm-hmm. and uh you know and sometimes i've 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 had people like oh you know this this nation they all think they're better than everybody else or this this country and they they think they're um the best on the planet you get to know them and they're not that you know they're not uh-huh. arrogant like that uh-huh. at all they just have a different way of relating to people Okay, Acts anyway. chapter 6. I'm really interested to see where it's going. verse 1. Verse so this one. is pretty early on in the story of Christianity. Now, Christianity has not been around for very long when racism raises its ugly head. Um, Acts chapter 6, you know, you're only, what, a year or two into Christianity at the most. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is, this is the early church that was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the early church that received the latter rain. This is the early church that was doing miracles all over the place. And look what raises its ugly head. In fact, this is one of the first things that raises its ugly head. Uh, right, The first thing that raises its ugly head is selfishness. And the second thing is racism. All right, verse 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Discrimination right there. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a form of racism that takes racism to another level altogether because this is people of the same race but a different language. You had Jewish people who spoke Greek and you had Jewish people who spoke Hebrew and the Hebrew ones thought that they were better than the Greek ones. And just, How finally do you want to split that hair? That's just, that's just a little bit silly, don't you think? Same people, different language. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Yeah, I like I like, I like that statement. How finally do you want to split that hair? I yeah, mean, seriously. Yeah. And uh, of course, the disciples are trying to sort out this whole mess, and it's driving them nuts. It's doing their heads in, and this is where you have the origin of deacons within the early church structure, and you ah. see, see the church structure starting starting to take place. And so, church structure actually came into being as a result of. Solving the problem of racism. We literally have deacons because of racism. That's that's mind blowing to think about. Deacons are a good thing. Yeah, deacons are a great thing. Um, but they, I, but this is something you know. Maybe we should think about next time we ordain some deacons, or next time you ordain some deacons in your church. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should, we should charge them because you know, we give the usual charge. You know, a deacon must be of you know um, sober and you know not not given to much wine and a husband of one wife and all this kind of thing, etc., etc., etc. Maybe we should charge them, and a deacon must fight against racism. Yeah, when you in say charge, th- you mean like charge them with a task, not like charge them a fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, or charge them head on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Congregation lines up and charges the deacons. Yes, this is a, this is a charge where I charge you, therefore 
to do that kind of task. Yeah, the task. Yeah. Yeah, good point because we don't really use that. That's that's kind of an old English thing. You do still find it on on occasions, but probably I don't know. Only within church context, maybe. But I think it's a great charge to give them the task of of fighting against racism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what you guys started as. Your first job was to fight against racism. And and this is the job that you have now. Great harmony between different cultures. Next time I ordain some deacons, I'm going to do that. I think it's a great idea. Remind me to come along when you do some ordinations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Maybe you should uh, consider that in your church if you're a church-going person. Uh, take it to your pastor or uh, church leader and suggest this as an idea next time you ordain some people to be deacons. Now, do we know why the Hebrew-speaking believers and the Greek-speaking believers were at odds with each other? Like, Is there a particular reason why they had beef? So basically... Um, you know, the core business of Christianity is to take care of people who are in need, widows being amongst them. Mm-hmm. In this society, there was no actual uh, physical structure to take care of widows, you know, like we have today. So people that are, are poor today, well, you know, they have Social Security, they've got, uh, they collect the doll, um, whatever it might be, so that they, they don't starve. Yeah. In those days, Social Security was based on your family. Mm-hmm. And for a woman, it was based on her husband and sons. If she has no husband and sons, she's in danger of being forced into either begging or prostitution or something like this. And it was the core business of the church, as outlined by Jesus, to take care of these people. And so they had quite a number of widows that were there that they were taking care of um, who you know, were not in a position where they could provide for themselves. So... Um. Yeah, and and apparently the Greek speaking ones thought they were getting less food than the Hebrew speaking ones somewhere along the line, or vice versa. We actually don't really know which way this went, although we suspect that it was the Greeks who thought they were getting less. Is there is there some sort of historical beef between the Greek and the Hebrew? Yeah, this is an interesting thought. <clears throat> Basically, what you had was this was a world in which. Um, Greek was the lingua franca or whatever you call it, where the, the language that everybody spoke. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was the English of the ancient world. Okay, so you can you. travel anywhere in the world, you speak English, you're going to get on fine. So it was the English of the ancient world. You had lots of people who were the, uh, you know, the, the Jewish diaspora, I think is the word for it, you know, the, the, the dispersed Jews who lived all over the world, exactly the same as you have today. You have some Jews who live in Israel and you have other Jews who live all over the world. Mm-hmm. Now, the Jews who lived all over the world predominantly spoke Greek um, and maybe some of the local languages. They didn't necessarily speak Aramaic, which was spoken in Israel. And so as a result of that, um, you know, it's a little bit like uh, my friend David, who is Jewish. Yeah. Um, he speaks English. I think he speaks um, a certain amount of... Uh, Yiddish? Yugoslav. <laughs> okay. Um, not sure which particular brand of Yugoslav, but somewhere from that part of the world. But he does not speak any Hebrew whatsoever at all. Okay. Or, or Yiddish. He doesn't speak mm-hmm, Yiddish, mm-hmm. anything like that. And so if he was to travel there and to be living in Israel right now, he would be relying on English with which to communicate. Okay, I see. Yeah. And so this is what was happening. You know, people have traveled in from wherever in the world and they're relying on Greek to communicate because this is the language that everyone speaks. Mm-hmm. So it's the language that everyone has in common. Not everybody has Aramaic in common, which was the uh, spoken language in Israel at that time. And so, yeah, some, some, some racism grew up. I, I think that, you know, those who could not speak the local lingo in Israel were seen as being slightly less Jewish. 
And I think we have that. We still have that here in Australia. Like you know, when we have immigrants, we're like, oh, can't they speak English? They're an Australian now. We have that sort of mentality. Like you're here, you should speak the same as us. I think that a person does have a responsibility if they decide to immigrate to put in an effort. Fair enough. I don't think we should judge that effort Mm -hmm. because for different people they are going to have different skill levels in learning that new language. I don't. I agree. So we shouldn't shouldn't judge people and say, oh, you haven't learned it well enough because they may be somebody who has just been fighting tooth and nail going as hard as they can possibly do it to try and learn that language. I agree, but I don't think that uh, that should turn into hatred on our, heart, our part. Oh, no, not yeah, – yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. No, a person should – if they're going to live in Australia, they should learn English. Um, in, in the same if I moved to South America, I would endeavour to learn Spanish. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how well I would do at that. Ah, uh, you'd be fine, Lyle. I'll help you with Spanish. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, actually one of my favourite languages, I think, Spanish. It's actually one language. of the easiest to learn because it's all phonetic. Yeah. Yeah. No, maybe. I'll give you a Spanish lesson after the show. <laughs> no worries. I'll be speaking. We'll have a Spanish a Spanish show tomorrow. Yeah. There you go. I'll come on here and speak Spanish. But you say by which we'll be counting to ten <laughs> over and over again for two hours. <laughs> Uno, dos, tres. <laughs> no, but I'm just using that as an illustration. Yeah. You know, it's one of these things where, um, you know, I, I think I would I, I would put in the effort to learn it. I don't know how well I would do at it. And mm-hmm. then there might be some people there in South America like, oh, why doesn't he learn Spanish? You're living in our country, rah, 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 rah. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm trying. Yeah, Give me a break. Yeah. I'm doing my best. Yeah, yeah. Because it can be very difficult to learn a new language. Yeah. Very difficult. Now, some people don't try. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's right. This is my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but how am I to judge? Yeah. You can't judge anyone on that because you don't know how hard that person may have or may be trying. Mm-hmm. All their circumstances. Yeah. Maybe they don't want to be here. Maybe they got forced to come. Even still. Mm-hmm. And Even trying still. to find a loophole. <laughs> I've, 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 you know, anyway. If you're living somewhere, try and communicate to the best of your ability. It's the, uh, it's the, it's the polite thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever I'm traveling in the world, I always try and learn, you know, some basic um, politeness yeah. in the local language. Some and quite frankly, what you said thank would be kind of communicate. And, uh, you know, you can at least learn to say thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, some greetings, some pleases, some thank yous and a couple of polite phrases. It doesn't take long and then you can use that and, and people appreciate that. It's true. Yes. Okay, so we find that, uh, yes, racism is something that has been around since the Tower of Babel when races first came into existence. Do you know how the Tower of Babel created races? Isn't God struck them all with different languages, right? Yeah. How does that create a race? Well, that means that the people who speak one language will get together and mm-hmm. stay together. Mm-hmm. And so you have these little little pockets, little cliques of people who like stay together. And then whatever their uh, characteristics were, they would then be, I want to say, bred into them. Yeah, concentrated. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the, the, uh, the genes will be concentrated in a certain uh, people group that are breeding with um, each other. And as a result of that you will have the beginning of different races. Very simple. You can do the same thing with um, animals. People do it with animals all the time today when they want to create a new breed of animals for whatever reason it might be. And it's not a difficult uh, thing to take place at all. But anyway, this is uh, Philippa and Hannah and Abby Eaton with Now to Jesus here on Faith Event. How wide the precious love of Jesus is for you, for me. There'll always be enough No sin, no shame 
Welcome back to our Encounter with God, our 20 million movement. In fact, if you want to join in, you totally can. It's not just something we do on the radio every day. It's something that you can do at home. Uh, just grab yourself one of the study guides that we use uh, to to um, to go through every 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 day on air. It's uh, this quarter because they go four times a year they come out, and this quarter is called Oneness in Christ. And it's a day-by-day, page-by-page study guide that covers a different topic each quarter of the year. So for October, November, December, the last quarter of 2018, we have the Oneness in Christ theme. And of course, in January, there'll be published another uh, study guide. And you can get your hands on it. You can get hands on the current one as well. Just go to uh, Better Books and Food. It's a wonderful bookshop. Uh, and food shop where you can find all kinds of study guides and just ask for the current study guide for this for this uh, t- final quarter of 2018. And of course, it's where you can go to get your next year's copy uh, when that comes out in January. So it's all very exciting. But we do a page every day here on air and you can do a page at home. They're very simple, just a couple of paragraphs and Bible verses. You can follow along. You can do it at home in your spare time. Uh, it's a really great way to stay connected to the Bible, stay connected to God. And stay connected to 20 million other people around the world. Become a part of yes. a community. These do get published and distributed worldwide and 20 million people get copies of these. They can pick them up from their local churches, from their local bookstores. They get them online and uh, and yeah, and they just do it every day. So join us. And if you want more information on where to get them, you can give us a call here. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number, of course. Let me hit you another clue. Speaking of our line, this is a who am I? <clears throat> And um, this one will harken back, this clue will harken back to Lyle's little sneaky extra clue giveaway earlier in the day. This is why you shouldn't give away extra clues, Lyle, because you don't know the clues coming up and you often give them away ahead of time. (laughs) So who am I? Jesus healed me of blindness. Mm, If you know who that is, give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. Why was our producer playing a song about a blind person earlier Mm. on today? Well, at least her clues aren't as obvious as yours. Okie dokie. Where were we up to? We were in Acts chapter 1. You read Acts chapter 6. Yes. You read for us verse 1. So now let's read the uh, the next few verses. Acts that. 6 verse 2 says, So the 12 disciples called a meeting of all the believers. They said, We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well respected and who are full of the, hang on, two pages at once. Full of the spirit and wisdom, we will give them this responsibility. Then we disciples, uh, uh, sorry, then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following: Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit; Philip, Pocorus, Nicon, Timon, Tarminius, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. Okay, so this is an interesting way of dealing with the concept of racism. So let's say that you have racism in your church Mm -hmm. and there is a certain people group within your church that is being discriminated against. And in this case, it is the Greek-speaking believers that are being discriminated against. And so the apostles get together and they're like, okay, how are we going to combat this racism within our church? And so let's say that you've got another people group within your church uh, that you know are from another country, their, their heritage is from somewhere else in the world, and let's say that there's a certain level of antagonism between the two people groups. How do you actually go about a, a dealing with with uh, with that other people group? If you're you know looking at the other group, this is the minority or whatever it might be within your church. Um, how do you combat that? I want you to notice how the early church combats. It's like okay, there's some racism here against Greek speaking Jewish. Christians. So here's what we're going to do. 
we're going to appoint some new church leaders. They basically appoint a task force. A task force Mm -hmm. of new church leaders, all of whom are from that particular ethnic group. Ah, I see. Yeah, you see what they're doing here? They're like, yeah, we're going to send a very, very clear message right here that racism has no place within Christianity at all. And so, you know, you might get some people in your church and like, oh, I'm upset with this different, you know, this, 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 this uh, group, people group within our church right now. And so then the church leaders get together and you know what? We're going to look at that people group that people are upset with and we're going to make church leaders from that people group right there. That sends a pretty clear message, doesn't it? It does. It does. Because, you know, I, I tend to, I, when I was reading this, I was like, well, how does, you know, appointing these men do anything like that? What are they going to do? Just make sure the food gets distributed fairly? I was thinking, wouldn't they want to educate and expose people, um, you know, to other races? So I realized, you know, people are just people. Educate them, but I guess this is one way of doing it as well. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And it's showing that okay, people can be can uh, be in leadership positions from you know all over the world, from all kinds of different backgrounds, from uh, wherever they might be, from what whatever language they speak. Um, it really doesn't matter. When you look back at the history of the ancient church, you find that this was very much the case. It was you know it was the only multicultural, truly multicultural religion in existence. And so the foundation that they build here in Acts chapter 6, you know, in the first 12 months of the establishment of Christianity, is really what went on to form Christianity in our world today. Indeed. This was a, this was a time period when religions were national. You know, nationalism and religion went together. This was a time period that when if you're Greek, you would worship Greek gods. If you were Egyptian, you worshipped Egyptian gods. If you were um, Jewish, you worshipped Yahweh. If you were uh, Spanish, you worshipped Spanish gods. You know, if you were Celtic, you worshipped Celtic gods. And, and they didn't mix. Uh, and then Christianity comes along. When Christianity comes along, suddenly you find that here is a religion that crosses every religious boundary that there is. And what it does is it becomes the model for every other religion out there. Christianity was the first religion to do this. So this was not something that um, Buddhism had done beforehand. It took a long time for Islam to do it afterwards. But Christianity was the first religion that had, you know, true missionary emphasis to go out to the whole world and bring the entire world to Jesus Christ, regardless of their language or culture. So we can learn from this story how, you know, this exemplifies how we can deal with racism. And that is basically to uphold those who are um, being oppressed by racism. And, uh, and, and yeah, because that's, that's what they did. They upheld them. They, you know what? We'll give, you, we'll give you positions of power. Absolutely. Okay, so just uh, go back for, for me and review verse 2 there very quickly, if you could please, Mark. Verse 2 said, uh, So the twelve called a meeting of all the disciples, believers. They said, We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. Okay, so notice who it is that is called together. The believers. And they, the call all the, they call the whole church together. Mm. So you've got both groups here present, don't, don't you? Absolutely. So this is not done something privately or whatever. This is something that's done public. It's like, we're going to make a public statement on this. Yes, very much. So they get the whole church together. All of the believers are called together. And it's like, okay, we've got this problem with racism, and here's how we're going to address it. We're going to make these Greek-speaking uh, followers of Jesus, we're going to create positions of, um, of leadership and influence for them. And, and so they do. They, they, they appoint the first seven deacons right there. Fantastic uh, um, privilege it is. So something that uh, whatever, wherever you are listening to Faith FM, uh, racism is not something that you can ever escape. It will be around you 
and it's something that needs to be destroyed and we just need to become mates with everybody. Yes, that's right. We have so much to gain by doing so and so much to lose if we don't. But right now, this is Michael Card. The gentle healer came into our town today. He touched blind eyes and the darkness left to stay. But more than the blindness, he took their sins away. The gentle healer came into our town today. The gentle healer came into our town today. He spoke one word that was all he had to say. And the one who had died just rose up straight away. The gentle healer came into our town today. Oh, he seems like just an ordinary man with dirty feet and rough but gentle hands. But the words he says are hard to understand, and yet he seems like just an ordinary man. The gentle healer, he left our town today. I just looked around and found he gone away. Some folks from town have followed him, they say. That the gentle healer is the truth, the life, the way. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Do you enjoy fantastic food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in. And a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10 a.m. every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. Where are you now when darkness is to end?
Welcome back, guys. That was Lauren Daigle with Look Up Child here on Faith FM. And we have come to question of the day time. But before we do, we have a clue for our quiz. What is our clue? One last clue. Who am I? The last clue is my name starts with the letter B. Do you know who that is? Give us a call. Blind man that was healed of his blindness by Jesus himself. Let me think of some B names in the Bible. It's not Barnabas. Or Bartholomew. Or Barabbas. Or Barabbas. No, none of those. <coughs> okay, so there's a few different B names in the Bible and there's none of those. Uh, which one is it? Okay, question of the 843 <coughs> is the number. Who was the person whose name started with B and was blind? Indeed. Hey, Lyle, question B, of the day. the blind man. Our special shout out at the moment. I have a listener from Philip, aka Flip from California, who is tuning in, uh, eagerly awaiting our question of the day answer. As are several of our listeners, because it's a big topic today. It is a big topic, We've and I would I would actually encourage some uh, li- listeners to uh, to send in your follow up questions. We'd like to yes. continue this discussion if you have. Whip out your Bibles. This. this is a big one, Lyle. Yes. Question: What does the Bible say about speaking in tongues? Okay, this is a very interesting question. We talk about the gift of tongues quite often. Often and within Christian circles, you know the Christian ease uh, language. I guess we, we 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 so to speak when we talk about tongues, we all know what we're talking about. The rest of the world has no idea. Like tongues, what you know the thing that's in your mouth that wobbles up and down and you taste food with. What are you guys talking about? Okay, so the gift of tongues comes from the old English. In the old English, when we talked about tongues, rather than think, thinking of the thing that uh, tastes food in your mouth, we were thinking of languages. And so, in the old English translation, say such as the King James version, the gift of languages was called the gift of tongues. And when it talked about somebody who spoke a different language, it would say that they spoke a different tongue. Yeah, like when someone asks you what your mother tongue is, they're yes, asking that's right. you what, you know, what yeah. your first language is. Not, it's not so much something we use today. Usually we speak like, yeah, what was your what was your first language? Yeah, that's right. Uh, but, you know, and, and so because of that, it's, it's, it's ingrained itself into Christianity so that we still use the word tongues today. We haven't seemed to update it to languages. But the gift of tongues simply means the gift of languages. It is first recorded in the Bible in Acts chapter 2. And so in Acts chapter 2, you have the day of Pentecost, you have the falling of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is important. This is something that you need to remember. When there is a subject in the Bible that you want to study, always start from the beginning and build your foundation from the first reference rather than going halfway through the story and trying to build a foundation from there. If you try and build your foundation from halfway through the story, you're going to come unstuck. So here's what we've got. We have the day of Pentecost. We have Jewish people from all over the world speaking a multitude of different languages that have come to Jerusalem to celebrate the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit falls on the disciples on this particular day in a very, very powerful way, and they go out to preach, and God gives a number of them this very, very special gift. It's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and it's called the gift of languages. Um, We call it today in Christian circles the gift of tongues, but literally translated, it means the gift of languages. This was so that they could communicate the gospel. And we find here the Bible gives a list of 14 different languages that were spoken on this particular day to various people groups that were there. There was possibly many more than this. This is just all that we have. Um, The Bible says, um, you know, there was living in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together. They were confounded because that that every man heard them speak in his own language. Language. So notice what they were doing. They were speaking in a language. And so you've got various disciples speaking in different languages. 
They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? How do we hear every man in our own language, the language in which we were born? And then it lists them off, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, uh, Egypt, parts of Libya, Cyrene, the strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes, Arabians. How do we hear them speak in our languages the wonderful works of God? And so what you've got here, the Bible very, very clearly and plainly and simply defines for you what the gift of tongues is. It is the gift of languages. This is a gift that God has never removed from his church. It has always been in God's church all the way down through history. And its purpose is to be able to communicate the gospel for missionary purposes. Now, the Bible gives uh, some further counsel on this. In fact, the gift of tongues is found in, or languages, is found in five different places in the Bible. And included with that counsel is that, you know, if you're going to have people speaking different languages in church, particularly if they are exercising this as a gift of the Holy Spirit, it's a gift I would love to have, you know. Mm, uh, me too. We were talking about this earlier. I'd love to have the gift of Spanish. Uh, but so far, the Lord has not called me to minister to Spanish people, He has not given me that particular gift. And so, you know, um, that's that's God's decision as to what gifts he gives me or doesn't give me. Um, he's certainly given me the gift of teaching, and I praise God for that. Um, it's always good to uh, to know what your gifts are and to be able to, um, to understand what they're all about. Anyway, so we find here this is the gift of languages. This does not change anywhere in the Bible. There are those today who say this is an ecstatic language or what we might call glossolalia. Um, that's the Greek word for an unknown language. Now, the gift, the supernatural gift of an unknown language is not something you find in Scripture. Every verse in Scripture, when it talks about the gift of tongues, talks about knowledge, knowing what is being spoken. This is the emphasis. Uh, for there not to be confusion in church, for people to understand clearly what the Word of God is saying when you are worshipping in the context of church. And so the, Bible's, the Bible is crystal clear on, on this particular subject. What you will find with glossolalia, which is speaking an unknown language, is that yes, this does exist within Christianity. It also exists outside of Christianity, and outside of Christianity, it predates its use within Christianity. So this is a relatively new movement. It began the late 1800s, early 1900s. It did not exist in Christianity previous to that. Um, but it did exist within um, traditional religions, animistic religions, and these kind of uh, circumstances in uh, various parts of the world. Now, my question is this. When I have an option between two, two different gifts right here, I've got an option between two different gifts, one which is a known language used for communicating the gospel and one which is an unknown language. First of all, I have to ask myself, which one do I find in the Bible? The Bible is very clear. Here we have 14 different languages. You can't really go wrong with that right there. So the Bible is clear as to which one of these gifts is the one that is found in the Bible. Then I have to look at the other one and ask myself the question, okay, what is going on here? If this is not found in the Bible, if it is found outside of Christianity, you know, is this God pouring out his Holy Spirit on people who are involved in spiritualism? We don't find that in the Bible. The Bible does not teach that the Holy Spirit will be poured out on people who are practicing spiritualism. Then even within Christianity, where I've seen you know, revivals take place you know, right here in Australia, in Sydney and places like that, where reporters have gone on to observe what is taking place, and they have interviewed people from many different faith backgrounds. You know, there was uh, some, some Muslim people there. There was even atheists there who were all experiencing this 
uh, gift of glossolalia, which is an unknown language. Now, once again, my, my, my question is, does God pour out his spirit in its fullness and give gifts to people who do not even profess a belief in God? And, you know, I could probably tell stories, you know, for, for quite some time. You know, a, a friend of mine went to a charismatic church where they were practicing this unknown language and people were interpreting and, and then they'd speak again and interpret again. And that's, that's good. That's, 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 that's at least biblical. But then he asked, well, how many people can interpret, you know, what this last person spoke? And a number of people put their hand up. So he gave them all a piece of paper and said, write down for me what they said. And, of course, they were all different. And so mm. this raises major questions in my mind. I don't find this in Scripture. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, because some people have come to me and they've said, oh, unless you speak in the gift of tongues, you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, but in 1 Corinthians, the Bible says, you know, but all these working that one and the self-same Spirit, dividing the gifts several, to every man severally as he wills. It's not your decision. It's not my decision as to what gifts you get. The Holy Spirit decides and he gives you the gifts that you will get and he doesn't give everybody the full suite, including the gift of tongues. Mm. He gives every person different gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so this is the model that we find in the Bible. And, of course, if you've got more questions on this, uh, more passages of the Bible you would like us to look at, then uh, please send them through. Um, you can text them to us on 0491-064-669 or call them through on 1-800-324-843 um, or a multitude of different ways. Or just message us through any of our social media. Lyle, you're very diplomatic. I like when you say unknown language because I would have just said incoherent babbling. But uh, you're very much more diplomatic than I am. No, because we've got lots of really good friends who... Uh, who <laughs> yes, you know, indeed. very, very sincere. Now, we are going to be putting... Um, we've made a video of this. We are going to be putting it up on our YouTube channel. So check that out. It'll be up later today and also on IGTV. If you want to watch this back and, and re-listen to Lyle's answer, thank you so much, Lyle, and give us a call if you have a question. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels Though I have the prophet's gift Though I hold the keys to hidden knowledge Though my faith can mount and shift Without love I am no better Without love it's all for naught Lord you spent your life in loving others What this means I would be taught Love is patient, knows no envy Never gloats when others sin Love is never glad to see injustice Always wants the truth to win There's no end to love's endurance There's no test it cannot face Lord, you spend your life in loving others I shall fail without your grace Though there'll be an end to hidden knowledge Visions, raptures, prophecy Faith and hope and love shall last forever While the greatest of the three Without love I am no better 
Without love it's awful not You gave your life in saving others What this means I would be Lord, you spent your life in loving others What this means I would be That was Matt and Josie Minnickers, though I speak with tongues. That's rather fitting for our yes, subject today. Yes, it is. It is. Producer Shell does a great job of picking up the um the matching songs to our the themes. Tongues of men and you know what language angels speak in? Uh, definitely not incoherent babbling. But they speak in every language that is known to me. Oh, wouldn't you love that skill? Wouldn't you just yes. love that skill? The important thing being that they are languages that are known to man. That's what you find in the Bible. Yeah. You know how people sometimes ask, you know, oh, if you could be invisible or if you could choose unaided flight, what would you choose? You know what I really want? I want to be able to speak every language ever, not just current, but that ever existed. <laughs> all the obsolete <laughs> ones that have been lost, all the extinct languages. That'd be so mad. Okay, so we've got a really awesome gift-free offer to uh, give away today. Yes. And uh, should we, can, can we make this available to um, our listeners in California? Was it? Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's do it. Absolutely. If you want a copy, you're going to be the first person to contact us now. You might be the first person to get an international gift from Faith FM. Yes, you can give us a call 1 800 Faith FM, 1 800 324 843, or just message us through Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Today's giveaway is Bothersome and Disturbing Bible passages by Lewis Torres and I reckon that there's probably some stuff in here on the gift of tongues yes it's a fabulous book that covers a whole range of uh, rather disturbing uh, Bible passages that some people might trip over and not not quite understand and Louis Torres is you know a wonderful uh, speaker writer evangelist he's been a church pastor for a long time now and uh, has a very wonderful way of clearly explaining um, yeah bothersome and disturbing Bible passages here we go he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men but unto God for no man understands him Howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. There's a there's Excerpt a verse with a book. great answer mm. right for you right right there for you. If you want that book, give us a call now, one eight hundred Faith FM. Of course, join us tomorrow morning after the seven o'clock news. We love having you on board for the show. Start thinking about what you're grateful for and text it through to us zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. We are looking forward to hearing from you tomorrow. Of course, you have a wonderful blessed day. This is Alison Krauss and the Cox family with I Know Who Holds Tomorrow, and we'll see you there. I don't know about tomorrow I just live from day to day I don't borrow from the sunshine For its skies may turn to
Never.